What's up, guys? Welcome back. It's another Thursday with Thor. I hope you guys got some good buds breaking down to be rolled up, or you already got it rolled up and you're ready to go. This week, we're going to be talking about what we're going through in the outdoors. Right now, it's July. It's hot. The great outdoors. I know a lot of people are probably out there enjoying their pool, enjoying the beaches, the sun. Really just, you know, the tropical paradises are really kicking right now. There's a lot of hot places around the world. I totally get it. It is definitely good for Mother Nature right now. Everything is growing. It doesn't matter if it's vegetables, cannabis, autoflower, photo period. Everything is really cranking. I am absolutely happy this year with the performance of Mother Nature and what she's really given us. Um, sure, it was a little uh, cold this year, really getting our seedlings out there and also getting our established clones out there. It was a really tough ordeal getting that uh, out there on time, which what the Farmers Almanac would recommend uh, for the Northeast here in Maine. And uh, so we really kind of had to deal with, once again, uh, another week or two pushing, you know, into later months, which really is tough because each year we've seen it go longer and longer. It's kind of an odd thing. But, you know, naturally they talk about this and they talk about, you know, uh, climate change and, you know, uh, not necessarily if we're affecting it or not. but you know, we notice it here and climate change does happen. You know, we're, we're pushed out a little bit, but we still were able to get out our transition. And uh, we did some really cool stuff and some research this year. We, uh, you know, a lot of people love to do transplanting, you know, pot to pot, pot to pot until they get to their final pot. And some people like to start in their final pot. And a lot of people actually argue this fact with autoflowers. So each year we do a little bit of photo period and autoflower growing. It's just what we do. We'll have an entire row of photo periods and an entire row of autoflowers. Just the way it works for us, we like to have um, two harvests a year with autoflowers sometimes. If we can, uh, we'll start some of them indoors just, you know, just to see if there's a little bit of uh, study with how they transition to outdoors, even being in veg mode still. Uh, some of them will be in flower and they started flower uh, indoors and they'll finish indoors. And sometimes we'll take a testing um, outdoors and we'll take a, a plant that started indoors outdoors to finish. So it's it's really neat to see different expressions and how things work and really how different genetics work. Over the years, we have utilized our genetics and we understand what grows well. Each year we're putting out the same thing now. Um, for, let's see, for the last couple of years, we've been able to hang on to three different cultivars. And just this last year, we've been able to hang on to a new, um, cultivar that we've added to our stock that we keep just for outdoors. I mean, we've kept these survived through the winter, you know, and, and the spring and when there's snow outside, we really still keep them alive with just the fact that we know it's going to really do Richter outside. And when we say Richter, it's off the Richter, man, off the Richter scale. Anyways, dude, uh, what I want to get at you is, you know, certain things like apple fritter and, you know, other things that, you know, are going to really work outside really, really well are outside. And plus, we got new stuff out there this year. Don't be afraid to get new stuff out there. That's how we find out if this stuff works good or not. Like I said, it's a constant study. It's a constant revolver. You know, it's a it's a revolving circus of plants. It's just constantly new plants, new genetics. This is Liam with Atlas Seed, proud sponsor of the Autoflower Review. For direct access to the best of the best of our genetic library, check out our breeder selection marketplace at www 
www.atlasseed.com. Now to the review. And sometimes it's not all about um, the genetics and sometimes it's about the breeder too, you know, because you got S1s and stuff like that. And I don't necessarily say it's better to to grow feminized or S1s, but, you know, if you got clones that are made from S1s and stuff, you know, they're stable, you know, it's okay to bring that type of stuff outside without having too much worrisome because you're still having to worry about the same things indoor or outdoor as you did indoor. So nothing's going to change. It's just different expressions, you know, and, um, you know, it's really neat sometimes when we see some cultivars go from, you know, just really frosty, a uh, little bit of purplage, you know, and, and they grow really decent inside, real nice tops, and they go out outdoors and they grow huge spears of pinkish purple bud, you know, a total different look that we had from indoors, outdoors. It's really neat when things like that happen, but you really want to maintain the ones that are going to make it through, you know, the hardships and the hardships are what we're going to talk about today too, because mother nature throws us some hardships. And if you're not ready, guys, she's going to get you. And that's something that will happen year in and year out. When I first moved here to Maine, there was a lot of brilliant growers that I talked to. And a lot of them told me it wasn't worth it to grow outdoors. It was absolutely shameful sometimes, they said, to their indoor uh, conquest that they were able to always conquer and really show up and show out. Outdoors, it just wasn't that for them. And nothing to take away from them. It's just that's the way it is in certain climates. And I've witnessed it here. You know, I've had cultivars completely be. Uh, let's say, you know, 70 to 80% of it's completely destroyed, you know, due to, you know, mother nature getting at it. And what happens is, is sometimes you deal with, um, you know, different elements like the frost, you deal with a lot of thunderstorms. We deal with nor'easters up here, uh, up here in Maine in the Northeast, uh, New England. Uh, we're up here in the original colonies, you know, just north of Massachusetts here, you know, and, uh, and I've lived near the beach side where it's a lot drier. And now I own a home up here in the mountains. And honestly, the valleys in the mountains, you know, we battle humidity and we battle a lot of different things indoors. If you're not ready, uh, it's going to get you. You know, we've had to invest, you know, uh, thousands and tens of thousands into a grow room just to maintain uh, quality. you got to have a dehumidifier here. And we're talking, you know, 300 plus pints. Uh, you got to have yourself a mini split, 3,600 tons or more, sometimes multiple. Uh, dialing in that environment's big here. And outdoors, it can get you if you're not really being ready and doing it right. And at this time, we've already moved past our seedling and our clones being transplanted. And we're really getting into that phase of big time luscious growth. Guys, right now, I'm sure everyone's got these big, huge, beautiful plants right now you're seeing more pictures across social media you're seeing everybody really happy about the season a lot more people are picking up seeds and genetics they're trying different things and with auto flowers it's just been amazing because you can get multiple harvests per year people are doing two three harvests you know a year round because they're working in different uh you know environments and climates and you know from my perspective where i am in new england I can get off a couple harvests and it's beautiful. I'm able to get off one decently early, but like I said, you know, sometimes we, we start them before they go out there. So I'm not going to say we start them outdoor and get multiple, but uh, we do put a second set out there that is started from seedling and we absolutely accomplish this every year. And I believe that it's really utilized well in New England because you actually get the bud a little bit early before the photo period sometimes. Uh, most of the time, you will have a few of them that go a little bit longer if they have the sativa variety or if they happen to be hybrid and 
go a little bit more on the sativa side sometimes. Even a, a 50-50, you know, sometimes you could have a 55-45, uh, and that 55 sativa will still, you know, need that extra time. So it happens. It happens not with just, oh, it's sativa, i got to stay away from it. No, it happens even with the hybrids. Like GMO, that's a real hard one to grow. Um, in autoflower form, GMO is really starting to show up. Uh, a lot of people are starting to work it because they understand it's great, uh, great cultivar. It could probably beef up the whole autoflower game. It's definitely a smart move. You're starting to see a lot of those pop up, and uh, they work well outside. You know, they could finish too as well. So uh, sometimes they do take a little longer, though. You got to worry about that. But hey, it happens. Um, if you're not utilizing this time right now to train your plant. And if you're not utilizing this time right now to get ready for what Mother Nature can and will throw at you, it's going to be real tough for you to really get a harvest. And that's where a lot of these growers uh, were telling me, hey, it's very tough. It's not worth it. Because if you're not doing every single day work on these plants, you will get behind. This is a job. A lot of people think cannabis is fun. It can be fun. But if you're going to grow a bunch of cultivars, it's a job. It's just like farming. But if you're growing one or two cultivars, you probably have an extreme amount of fun right now. You're wanting to do some training. Um, you're wanting to shape it a little bit. You're probably noticing, wow, it's grown into a big Christmas tree. Well, let's talk about topping. Well, topping is one way. Uh, this way we could take clones. If we take a top from the very top of a plant that's never been trained, what's going to happen is the auxins, the hormones that really kind of promote that big time growth at the very tips, really keep things moving and grooving that new growth. What's going to happen is it's going to be redirected. All that energy is going to go to the bottoms, the sides, the shoots. What's going to happen is, is you're going to end up seeing a lot of the bottoms catch up all of a sudden become the new tops because the plant's kind of redirecting this energy. It's redirecting its flow. Hormones, energy, it all works in a symbiotic balance with this nutrition and its microbes and microbes and everything. It's all just working together in order to get this one main productive outcome and what's going to happen is you're going to get replacement tops so these middles and these lowers are really going to start to shoot up and replace that top that you took not only did you get to take a topping but you can make a clone from that topping you could actually top again and top again but what i recommend doing is not necessarily high stress topping which i consider topping is kind of a high stress maneuver it's something that is on my age uh which is means high as stress and uh, T technique, high stress technique. So that HST is, is topping. A low stress technique, LST, that low stress technique would be what some people refer to as a FEM process. What I do is I don't use scissors. Some people will actually take the apical Mary stem with scissors and take some of those baby leaves along with it. What I do is I gently move the baby leaves and then go to the very brand new tip top growth and I will go to the apical Mary stem and I'll knock it off with my finger. But you have to do it ever so gently. And if you're not necessarily, uh, if you're a bull in a china closet, you don't necessarily have the, the green thumb or your hands aren't stable. You sometimes want, that's why ladies are good with growing sometimes. Their hands are just so nice and fragile. But sometimes us gentlemen as well have nice hands for this. And we're able to actually spread it out. And you want to have clean hands. You don't want to have oil. You know, you don't want to be working on your car before you go out there on your plants, you know, working on them, showing it to your buddies and then doing training on it. This is something that you want to be clean about. And the reason why is because you're going to have open plant tissue at that time. And this is how a lot of viruses will actually enter plants, whether it's outdoor, indoor tools, hands, 
whatever, you know, it's being passed somehow, some way. But if you're not being clean in this medical field that we're in, cannabis is medical. So why not treat it as medical? Why not approach it as medical? Why not, you know, do it the proper way? And it's actually the best way to be as a grower because uh, other growers will label you. You'll soon to be a dirty grower if you do not do these type of things. You will be a lazy, dirty grower. And it's unfortunate. We're not trying to be mean at all. It's just stern but fair. The other day, I believe I was on a friend's podcast. I was just being stern but fair. Oh, and, uh, you know, they took it the wrong way. Or not podcasts, but their Discord, excuse me. We're just being stern but fair. We're being honest with you guys here on this show. You know, if, if you have open plant tissue and you have things on your hands and it's not clean, you could pass viruses. You could make the plant kind of just get things in it that it, that's just unwanted. Um, also, bugs could access those points and really kind of attack it. It'll cause the plant to just hinder it, the less energy. So what we're going to do is we're going to knock that apical Mary stem off ever so gently with our fingertip. And what this is going to do is actually keep all the plants still there, but what's going to happen is you're going to get two new tops out of it, just as if you were topping. You will have two replacement tops come out the top, and you'll also get the oxen's movement. You will also get low stress from that because not too much of it has been taken, so not too too much of a stress signal and a hormone change is happening all at once. You're not making it all happen at once. Because we know sometimes when puberty happens, just like plants or like humans, you know, all at once, a whole hormone, you know, if it's imbalanced, you know, and hormones and things are imbalanced, things happen. So we try to just do this steadily. And we treat this like medical. So we're also going to keep our, our, our grow space really clean. Like, say, if we're defoliating, which is one of the bigger things that I really need to talk to you guys about during this phase that we're in. I know you guys really, really like that luscious growth. All those leaves, all those extra fan leaves, everything is just growing. It's one big giant bush. Everything looks great. Right now, you got luscious green growth. Most grow feeds in the industry, the nutrition programs, really have the veg game down pretty good. For the most part, most feed games are going to give you nice good green luscious growth and a lot of the genetics understand that and they take on that green luscious growth and sometimes it's a little darker green depending on which variety you're growing it's really the flower recipes that really get into nutrients that make them what they are and the programs are what they are because that's really the, the the focal point of what we're trying to get at but to get out to the phase that we're in now to really utilize this time to defoliate. We're not gonna take more than 70% of the plant at one time. More than 70% is gonna hinder and stretch your plant out. If you take just about 70%, mm, getting close to that number sometimes will stress it out. And it's different for each genetic. So you really have to be careful. I won't say that it's a total overall average number, but typically I won't take more than 70% at one time, no matter the genetic. I will also pay attention as I'm stripping the plant. As I'm clipping the leaves up, I don't do a lollipop technique. I do what's called a cleanup. I clean up the bottom one third of the plant. The bottom one third to a quarter of the plant is really gonna be mainly useless unless it gets enough training in the beginning to really reach a candabra look and a structured look. Because whenever we get clones out there, Whenever we get seedlings out there, we're really trying to structure it and train it to give us a shape and a technique that's going to maintain. And it's going to maintain a canopy, usually indoors. 
outdoors we typically try to replicate those same things that we do indoors too as well but outdoors you kind of have to utilize a little bit different of a technique because you're dealing with mother nature in full force she's not you know it's not inside this is an adult environment we're kind of getting what we're given so at this time you're going to clean up those plants but you're also going to make sure that you're cleaning up all around these pots you're not leaving your leaves around anywhere because what that's doing is basically leaving snacks for bugs and it's like a trail it's like mice getting crumbs you know if you're leaving crumbs out they'll come out there and they'll eat them and there'll be more and more and then you have an infestation same thing with bugs you don't want to be leaving your crumbs your your, your you know your plant material out there on the ground next to the pot so when they find that they realize they have a live main source and if it's on the ground it's easier for them to get to and that's another reason why i say trim the bottoms because then they don't really have necessarily a chance to get to that top because if you're leaving all that luscious growth it's probably over spilling over the pots right now you got leaves hanging you know uh fan leaves just sticking out you know uh, kind of laying on the pot somewhat too as well you know you want to trim all that stuff up you also want to get into the middles not just the bottoms you know you want to make sure the middle of the plant stuff that's not getting any sun stuff that's not getting any energy stuff that's actually hindering and wrapping up around other things and causing other things not to get good sunlight that will produce better things which you could have small lowers really make it all the way up to the top but a lot of the times they'll be overcrowding other tops that are already up there so really these bottoms also create stress i've mentioned this in in a lot of episodes especially with fems like if you're going to grow um stressy type of plants or, or potentially stressful plants you really want to clean up those bottoms because that's where you see a lot of the issues from a lot of the time if any issues are going to come from they usually show at the bottom sometimes first it depends i know not everything does but for the most part uh the big time issues we're talking about you know hermaphroditic or stress pods you know stuff like that which remember we talked about the difference between the two it's a big thing you got to maintain what's really going on before you call it you know study it so at this time we're cleaning up around the pods keeping our area clean as possible we're doing our topping or our fem techniques these two things are going to help us build our stock or our clone you know it comes from a branch sometimes it's a little different than the other one but you're going to want to shape them and do your you know your your shaping and a lot of time people are scared of doing another somewhat high stress training technique which is called a pension bend some people call it the chiropractic technique um kyle you know kyle does this very well a lot of people know who kyle cushman is kyle cushman you know teaches the chiropractic technique and it's not necessarily uh other people do it a little different too so actually pinch all the way up the stock i mean entirely up the stock they're literally breaking a little bit of the tissue all the way up the stock on certain genetics that they know can maintain high stress and still perform without having issues this will kind of make really heavy growth to certain branches uh, come quickly uh, you'll see stretch marks it'll really grow sometimes quicker on certain genetics but for the most part i don't like that style when i do my pinch and bend it's just basically about two or three nodes down and i'm doing it in a pinch and bend and i'm I'm doing this to create a knuckle uh some people call it super cropping too it's it's different lingo for everybody it's a little different you know everywhere you go oklahoma west coast east coast they got a little different way of saying things down south it's just the way it goes you know we can't necessarily condemn one another for our lingo but for the most part we're pinching a few nodes down and we're making a knuckle 
And these knuckles that are left and formed are like super nutrient highways. The plant really kind of rebuilds that tissue and it kind of does a little bit of an overboard building. What's up? This is Gordy with Cutting Edge Solutions here to tell you about our premium fertilizer products. We make everything dye-free, hormone-free, PGR-free, and sodium chloride-free. Check out our cannabis-specific fertilizers and additives for your next grow. www.cuttingedgesolutions.com and you can find us on Instagram at Cutting Edge Solutions. And it creates like these fat-looking looking knuckles, like a knuckle on your hand. And what happens is it kind of looks like an arm that's curling to show its muscle. It'll, you know, at one point it'll, it'll be totally stretched out like an arm when you first do your bend, your pension bend. And then as the days go on, it kind of curls up as if you're showing your, you know, your bicep muscle. And it's really unique because all those side shoots and all those new uh, growth sites are all starting to grow straight up, you know, instead of having them from the sides and kind of needing to be trained, they're all kind of going in a certain shape now. And this helps me utilize the shape of my plant. I have a few plants out there that I know I could do it on. And what it does is it'll help me shape a canopy. It'll help me also redirect those oxen hormones, just like we talked about in topping and femming. Those type of techniques could be utilized in this pinch and bend, which is really cool. So sometimes whenever you're topping, 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 and you've done it five times and you got you know, 30 to 40 different tops growing and, you know, and then you're cleaning up your bottoms and then you're seeing how many tops you got left. You know, you, you have a couple that are still kind of racing to the top on each other. Well, that's when this pinch and bend comes into technique for me. And I'm able to take the tops that are going a little too fast, you know, letting the others catch up. I'm redirecting hormones and I'm not doing it all at once. Cause remember what I talked about plants are just like humans. We don't need to be throwing them into the fire. We really need to work with them. Sometimes the first bite doesn't work. You got to take a second bite because the flavor is different a second time. You just got to do that. You got to do different techniques all the time. And when you utilize different techniques with people, you know, they work with you, you understand them. So when you understand certain, you know, clones, you could utilize them. Like right now we have two years back clones, one year's back clones, and we have them outside. And we utilize those clones just for outdoors. We're not even growing them indoors. Indoors, we're so busy with all the other stuff and, you know, the people that send us um, genetics for the work that we've done in the past with them and their team. And, you know, they constantly have us, you know, caked up with genetics. So that's why I'm growing them because, you know, I feel obligated to, honestly. I have so much genetics I'd like to grow right now, but, you know, we can only do so much at one time. And outdoors, we're only bringing out certain things at certain times because we know Mother Nature is really going to kick our ass if we don't get ready for it. Because it's a battle. It's not like you're going to beat her. You, you, you make your way through and, you, you know, you're happy with the, what you got, you know, because Mother Nature, she's one strong girl and she could really withstand uh, many, many years more than you'll be alive on this planet. So just respect her and understand that, you know, these thunderstorms that are coming are, are coming for a reason. Um, they, they refresh the planet. Um, some days they give us, uh, a day off because it, it gently rained nice enough to where it filled all the pots and it got enough all over the plants where we don't have to go out there and water one day. So, I mean, it's a give and take, uh, just to remember, we have our same schedule going once a week. We're running our microbes. We got five different brands. We're running really good brands. We're not overdoing it. We're not overspending it. We're running five brands to utilize 
certain areas and certain degrees. And we'll talk about that because I have a whole episode of microbes coming on. I want you guys to tune in for it. We'll talk about the products I use. We'll break it down, what they do, why I use all five and how they reach the main components that I need to reach as well as unlock the plants, you know, uh, expressions that I get outdoor. And I found a great way to do that because it's different with every nutrient too. I've noticed that you get a little different expression with different nutrients, different microbes. I like what I got going on. I think this mix is, is really sticking with it. We're going on a second year of that too as well. It's pretty cool. So maintain your mix. And what a lot of people do at this time is they will use just anything they can get their hands on and that they'll say, oh, well, that's good enough. Or hey, I got some left over this and I got some left over this. So let's just mix this with that. Now I kind of stick with one program because honestly, I'm not doing this on, on a sponsorship point. But it just causes difficulty sometimes. And some sometimes scientists that do this genetic makeup uh, of the nutrients and how how uh, how the MPK ratios are, um, they don't mix well with each other. So you know, plants are going to have a bit of a transition issue going from one thing to another. So sticking with the same brand is really going to you know keep your rocking and rolling at this point. So every couple days. We're feeding with that nutrient program. We're not absconding from it. We're not adding crazy stuff to it that, you know, a buddy told you to. There's certain things that you can make and add to it, um, you know, but if you're, you know, stuff like labs, I love labs. Don't get me wrong. I like making labs. Uh, certain plants of mine get labs, um, but I'm not adding to everything. Certain things have certain regimes and that's just the way it goes. You know, you don't just throw anything you can find at it. Oh, I heard they like this or let's go throw some of this out there. We got some leftover food of of these fish guts and this, that, and the other. If you don't know what you're doing, go bring that stuff to a compost bin and make new, you know, make some good super soil for later. You know what I'm saying? Don't just throw it at your plant and think that it's going to work for the outdoors as a lot of people will sometimes do that. Stick with what you got and what you know and what works. It's just easy that way. And then make sure you're feeding your microbes. What I do is I will also feed my microbes the same day as I uh, put the microbes in there. So I'll mix my microbes, put my microbe food in there, and then that doesn't have nutrients in it the same day. I'm actually doing uh, microbes separately, and then the very next day, food, and then the very next day, water, and the very next day, water, and the very next day, food. But sometimes this transition changes later into later veg. And to get back into what we're doing with outdoors, in this veg mode, we're utilizing the training and we're putting in uh, steaks right now. Steaks are really going to help you huge outdoors. If you don't have steaks, man, you're making a mistake, and that's the truth. Um, you're going to have to utilize yourself some plant ties. Get yourself some good plant ties. Don't use zip ties. I've seen guys use zip ties before. You know what happens? They end up zip tying too tight. The stock overgrows and ends up causing an issue of stress because it got so tight around it. Instead of really kind of snapping the zip tie it actually hindered the growth of the stem in one area and actually made like a deformity you know a cool it's nice to look at and touch but it's not cool for your your branch that it's going on and you know the issues it's going to cause during flowering who's to say that that's not the reason why a plant hermit and you went and called out a breeder one day because you made a stressful issue these are little things that we could avoid and really kind of pick up and take notes on because, you know, there's things out there that we got to learn as growers to really maintain consistent outcomes of success every single time. Outdoors as well. It's the way it goes. So at this time, we're putting our stakes in our pots. Okay, I talked about how we did some uh, transplanting to transplanting to transplanting to different size pots to their final pot and some pots that are in their final pot. 
around the same time right now, at this time of edge, if you got off at the right time of the season and your pitchers are lining up with everybody else's pitchers and you got good plants growing, it's a good time to get the stakes in right around now because these root zones are finally starting to really develop and wrap around these pots. And, you know, sometimes they could be going down into the ground around this time and really getting big. So you're going to want to get those stakes in now. So we're not disturbing the root zone in, you know, a couple of weeks before flower time or in flower time. So if you're going to want to use a lot of stakes, get them in now. If you're going to want to work a stability area around each plant, do it now, like putting in poles, some people will utilize poles. They'll put in almost like a volleyball net style, except it's horizontal, you know, with a trellis. Or they'll do it to each plant. They'll have fence posts up, and they literally do a, a six to eight foot wide trellis net, and they bring it down to the uh, during this time because uh, for like one le one level, and then they'll do another level, you know, later on during stretch mode, you know, and and to really hold up the weight. Because some of these plants are just going to become trees out there. Guys, I don't know if you've really ever experienced a farm or a cannabis farm that really has trees on it. People that are growing uh, 20 footers, 15 foot wide. Um, even myself, I've only experienced about 12 foot tall, you know, um, you know, six foot, eight foot wide, you know, in my backyard and stuff as of right now. I, I do have land and I do plan on utilizing it in one day, actually um, having these big giant trees to, to experience it of my own ownership. But I've been working on farms and been in these trees and worked on these type of plants. And so is my wife. I mean, we have a lot of experience when it comes to all this stuff. It is hard work. It is hardcore farming, guys. It is just like working on a farm. You have to be out there every single day. I mean, these things need to be fed. They need to be watered. And right now in our veg mode, guys, we're not getting into, we're not trees yet, but you guys better believe they're starting to get into that point because right now you're seeing hardcore luscious growth day after day after day. And sometimes you're probably starting to see these in the last couple of weeks, um, this stock really swelling and getting big and it's getting ready. Right now we have only so much more time of veg going on. We got August, and then late into August, we're going to start dialing back those months. I mean, we've really been in that prime position of veg right now. If you haven't been working your plant and training your plant, it's probably a Christmas tree right now. I highly recommend doing a little bit of training to utilize it because these storms are going to come, and it'll teeter-totter if you have too much uh, top-heavy. So right now, you really kind of want to widen those plants up and secure your plants up at the same time. If you can't widen them up, and it's just the way that it is, that's all right. We're talking about securing the plant right now. A lot of people will use um, uh, uh, stakes um, inside the plant, inside the pot, but also uh, uh, on the sides of the pot to go into the earth. So they'll pinch the side of the pot, and they try not to disturb the root zone too much, but they'll actually put camping um, um, spikes down into the corners of the pot to try to secure them into the ground. It's a very tough ordeal when Mother Nature comes around and you have a huge storm coming. It is really tough. I mean, people watch a lot of their hard work for most of the early summer sometimes get wiped out. It happens up here. So that's why we take this very seriously. And that's why I think maybe people should take this very seriously too, because if they ever get to that point where they actually have the ability to utilize a, a big area of their land and their yard, and they're starting to grow and they don't understand that storms are going to come around, it could wipe them out. I've seen it wipe good people out that are experienced growers and fields that don't necessarily have a little bit of tree coverage, but they, you have to get ready for this stuff. 
okay, for example, today on my social media, I was able to post some good content that really kind of explains a really good reason why you want to do it too as well. And that reason why uh, was because I've actually had some clones, you know, brought outdoors. And as I mentioned earlier, the structure of the clone, um, the clone was taken from uh, an area that was a topping. So not only did a fem happen, but two new shoots uh, grew. And then shortly after, uh, a, a topping was taken and that topping was clones. So once that rooted out, it became a new plant. But the shape of the plant when it first came out had, you know, uh, like a V or a horseshoe look. So naturally, as it grew big outdoors uh, and started to fatten up, it almost more or less kind of wanted to separate into two different main stalks because that's the hormones and that's the signals that you're shooting at this plant. It'll sometimes manipulate the mutation a little bit. And uh, when it comes down to making itself a stalk, it'll sometimes have a little bit of trouble developing. And this particular genetic had uh, looked where it would be an issue later on where it could snap right down the middle if too much wind and weight from water was pushed on one end. And uh, same thing for the other. If enough weight was distributed, you know, on each side of that plant and it pushed down, you know, from the wind and from the rain or say if it had a lot of flower on it, it would just split that plant right down the middle. So we had to really understand that, that some of these genetics could be doomed from the start. And the truth is, if we're not utilizing that time to really understand what we're doing, um, it's just going to be a catastrophe in the end. So you're going to want to really make the best of these plant supports. I mean, however way you got to build it. If you got uh, some people have these really cool square um, uh, tr plant trainers and they're actually, you know, they go into the ground, they secure with a T and an L pick. They actually stay really nice in the ground, super secure. Um, they have really nice picks. These are like camping picks that work for tents and stuff. Uh, these type of picks are, you know, really nice and cheap and easy to grab. And they, they do work well. And he's actually able to, you know, do some pinning as well. And, you know, there's different things that you could do with trellising. And there's different things you could do with putting them all together on the same trellis. I recommend keeping them separate on each uh, you know, each makeup that you have for sturdiness. Um, I recommend that it's for each plant, not necessarily all of them together, because say if one thing happens, then you're jeopardizing the rest of it. Say if one part, you know, something uh, fails and, uh, you know, then you have the rest of them in jeopardy. So doing them one by one is really going to kind of give you the ability to uh, be safe. And what I recommend is having your plants on risers anyways. I talk about this all the time. When it's in the ground, you're going to have roots that go through into the ground, and it's going to be really tough because you're going to deal with the pH change um, out of the pot near medium into the earth if the earth's not used to you growing there. Um, and earth pH is just different, period. And that's why a lot of people will see some brown spotting on the leaves or some rust-looking spots or uh, sections. And a lot of it has to do with that pH uh, change whenever the roots that we're searching for, you know, whether it's water, nutrients, or just looking to become bigger, they'll go through the bottom of those fabric pots or those other air pots that we talk about. And they don't necessarily prune when they're straight on the ground. So this is why I talk about keeping them on risers. This will allow you to pick up your plant and move your plant in case there is a thunderstorm coming. Say if you have a gazebo built or you have an area where you're actually able to bring your plants that's clean, safe, doesn't have any issues. You're not bringing it into a moldy environment. And some people will say, oh, I'll just bring it into my shed or something. 
um, while it rains, don't do that unless it's a clean shed. Because what happens is, is you're actually bringing it um, susceptible to like mold or mildew or spores or anything if the place isn't clean. So really kind of keeping it in the outdoor setting, but like somewhere like a gazebo or um, like a back porch that has an awning to where, you know, it's going to protect it from the rain. If there's if there's any ways sometimes that you can or if you have a greenhouse, I mean, that's great. I recommend having a greenhouse outside, but you're just going to want to protect your plants. And if they get real, real, real big, I understand at that point, it's very tough. Uh, that's why we do the training. GrowPro Solutions is a leading lighting manufacturer based in California, offering a range of quality cultivation equipment for the commercial grower all the way down to the home gardener. With their vertical and static grow systems, along with their HM series lighting, allows you to harness the power of the sun in your grow room or tent. Visit GoPro Solutions at WeGrowPros.com. Before they get really, really big so that we could handle these things. But, you know, uh, what I'm talking about when they're small and they're just developing, if a big thunderstorm is going to come and we're in this mode that we're in now, sometimes having them on risers is better because you can pick them up and move them. But some of us don't have that option and, and they're in the ground. We're dealing with Mother Nature. It is what it is. So just make sure that you're, um, you know, what, 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 what I would do in that situation of that plant uh, having the ability to be split down the middle as it got bigger, uh, what I would do is actually wrap that plant um, around like a like a ribbon or, you know, don't use tape and stuff like that. They have plant ribbons and stuff like that you could use. I would actually uh, keep the stalk um, tied together a little bit closer together and, uh, you know, just provide a little bit of sturdiness. Make sure that, you know, there's a joint there that both uh, both of the branches were just met together with a nice wrap. And, and that would create stability uh, during a storm. I would actually boost up uh, both sides of the plants uh, if I can with stakes, whether it was a stake in the ground and I had to uh, twist tie one small area of the plant uh, to the to, to the stalks, that's okay too. But you don't wanna be twisting at certain areas to where it could be detrimental. You wanna twist at certain areas to where if the wind came along, it wouldn't snap it in half or it wouldn't cause an issue from the tie being there and you want you don't want to do it around um you know different shoots and and different sites grow sites uh you don't want to restrict anything like that you want to make sure it's on the main stalk you know in between on the and you know that inner uh inner symmetrical the inner uh, the node excuse me the inner nodes you know want to make sure they're spaced out in between each other and they're not you know right on the brand new growth and, and the new growth coming up because what happens is it'll actually redirect that new growth um, more inside. You kind of want them to be free forming and, and really kind of growing properly. If some people will tie it in certain areas, it just manipulates the whole plant in a bad way. Make sure you're tying it in a good way. And if you need to see examples, check us out on social media or ask somebody or look for different things. And I could actually post it and show you a good way uh, to position um, your branch to a stake because sometimes doing this will really kind of uh, keep stability whenever those rains and those winds come. Uh, you know, when it gets real big, you know, we'll talk about that in later episodes. It's, it gets a little scary sometimes. And like I've mentioned, it could wipe out your whole growth. So you want to make sure that you're taking these steps to really do what you got to do to understand that Mother Nature is going to come around and really, you know, bash you in with, uh, with weather and really kind of can ruin your whole growth if you're not ready. Um, another thing you're really going to want to worry about is if you're not having, if you're, excuse me, if you are having new genetics out there and new genetics are growing and you're, you're got some wonderful seeds out there, don't bring, 
big, expensive, hard to get seeds outdoors. Um, unless they're growing indoors and you got a clone of it and you could take a clone over and over again. Um, because sometimes, you know, bringing genetics back indoors, um, you, you can't do it sometimes. It's really, really hard. You have to be really good at it. And I'm going to give you guys a, a tip and a technique how to do that this episode. So if you find something outdoors that's just growing wonderful and it started from seed and you really want to clone it and you want to keep it around, there is a way that you can do that and utilize it without um, causing really, really bad detrimental cross-contamination. And there's steps that you could take to utilize this. And I'll mention that this episode, guys. And I think that's really important because right around this stage, you are now starting to see the ability to take some clones if you want to, and you're going to get, you're going to start smelling the plants and you're going to start finding different things from the new genetics you brought out. And it's really going to impress you. And, and don't feel bad if you want to bring in some good stuff. Just remember, you can't cross contaminate directly. You have to take steps before and precautionaries. And uh, what I'll tell you is a lot of people will sometimes leave nutrients downstairs and they'll forget and they'll say, oh man, I need to go get nutrients from the indoor grow. Uh, for the outdoor grow and they don't realize their shoes their clothes their hair all those things could cross contaminate you know so if you can have someone else go in there for you it's really easy just to maintain uh certain things um you know to to really prevent these things uh another step would be is uh your ipm maintenance some people use enzymes some people use um what is it, Dr. Enzymes? Some people use IPM, which is like uh, the Athena IPM. Some people use Trifecta. Some people use Mercenary from, you know, uh, uh, Biologics, Culture Biologics. It's a lot of different things that you could use, you know, when it comes down to natural oils and preventatives. And, you know, it's got the neem oils in them and the germanium. I don't really recommend using neem oils and oils you know i honestly think that these bugs have moved past the oils the natural oils it doesn't affect them you really kind of want to utilize uh citric acid i like flying skull nucum um outdoors i think it works really really good uh bugs are going to come no matter what but i do like to spray um once every two weeks sometimes once a week um it just depends you know if i see an access of you know uh, uh caterpillars or um, you know, Japanese ladybugs and, and sometimes the aphids could be out there. You got to really make sure that they're not coming in on your clothes, guys. It's a big thing when growing outdoors, bugs could be out there. So, you know, preventative maintenance on that type of stuff is really going to help you. If you want to take the clone at this time, it's very easy to uh, take clones from outdoors. And what you're going to do is you're actually going to bring a clone setup outdoors. I recommend getting a tray. I recommend getting an insert. Grodan makes some really cool inserts. You can go and get the Floriflex inserts, other inserts that are cheaper, it's fine. Um, I recommend to go get uh, either Rockwell Mini Cubes, but I really, really recommend it if you got the extra money to get uh, Root Riots, uh, Rapid Rooter, those type, the uh, Peat Moss, the black ones, spongy ones. I really like those a lot. Floriflex makes some new, um, new ones. They're not necessarily with the Peat Moss and all that. They're actually a terracotta color. Um, but I recommend getting those type of plugs. Uh, I really enjoy using them. They're a little bit easier. Um, I try not to use Rockwell too much, but I do use Rockwell, you know, a lot. You know, I try not to use it for everything. Um, I like using these starter cubes. They work great. Okay, I highly recommend them. What we're going to do is we're going to take uh, snips off the plant. Say if we're cleaning up the bottom one third of our plant, around that time, it's a good time to take those clones. What we're going to do is we're going to get a cup of water. 
um what a cup that works really good if you don't want to go into your wife's kitchen or your own kitchen and use your you know fine dining or your glass cups i you know hey i understand it i get it a really really good cup to use and i use um it's actually from my local convenience store a lot of them will have an, a vending machine area for um sodas and beverages and drinks and they have extra large cups large cups medium cups i like to get the extra large cup um the extra large cup actually gives me a little bit of height on the cup too as well for um you know the leaves the fan leaves to kind of uh sit on as i you know get the stems in the water so i'm going to recommend that you actually fill up that cup about one third of the way with water and whenever you take your clones you're going to directly get them uh, those stems into that water as soon as possible this is going to kind of assure that no oxygen or like air bubbles or anything get inside the stem because I think that's a big reason why a lot of um, clones kind of die and they don't necessarily, um, you know, take. And and to be honest with you, once I started putting them in water first, um, before I would plug them into the cloners, it would really, really help me big time. And what you're going to do is you're going to leave the cuttings in the cup of water and leave it in there overnight. We're talking about 24 hours, let 24 hours go by. This is actually going to soften the stems up at the bottom a little bit. And that's why I recommend the one third, because you want a pretty big uh, stem cutting. When you're cutting it off outdoors, you're probably going to get a pretty big, long stem. Whenever you do take cuttings, don't take short cuttings. Um, take them about as long enough to where the fan leaves are just going to the tip of the cup and they're kind of being suspended there from the lip of the cup. And the stem is just uh, submerged in the water. At this point, that's long enough because this will give us more surface area later um, to cut. It's almost like with cutting hair. You want to leave it longer so you can take more if you need to instead of cutting too short. And then, you know, you don't got anything left. So that's why we leave a big stem. Um, this is going to allow you to take a 45 degree cut angle like I usually recommend. You don't have to dip it. Some people dip. Uh, some people use aloe. Some people use, um, you know, Clonex. It's it's really completely up to you. Some people use the new Athena. Some people use a new green gel that they got from a, a company. I've used them all, and then I've used no uh, no dip. It, it kind of almost works the same. I can't really say that I've seen a a better overall from the clone dip. I still sometimes buy it. Um, I actually, I buy it if I see it. That's the thing. If it's out of sight, it's out of mind. I could still make clones, but um you know if you want to go out there by the clone dip um you want that to be sitting in the cup 24 to 48 hours 48 hours is perfect second day after it's been sitting in that cup it's ready to be cut and dipped and poked into the root, uh, root riots or the rapid rooters or your rockwell or however you take clones if you just plug it into cocoa or soil sometimes people can do it that way too um find a dandy if you can um the way i recommend is with the cubes because it kind of fits in the tray and the inserts well um, keeps them nice and tight. I recommend keeping a humidity dome over it, 100%. Spray the humidity dome and spray the plants with the foyer. Uh, the foyer feed will be just a very light mix uh, Clonex strength. Um, we're talking 0.5, you know, 1.1 one, one or, you know, how whatever their makeup is, but a very, very light feed. Um, this is going to be the same way you treat indoor clones, um, except you're going to keep it outdoor in a greenhouse or you're going to keep it outdoor in your shaded area, your gazebo area, you know, your, your garden area. What this is going to do is, um, with the, with the dome on, none of the windows open. Um, so you're still getting humidity. Make sure it's not in a super cold zone. If you have to go ahead and put a, uh, root mat, like a heater mat on it underneath to keep that temperature nice and fine. Um, you know, of course you want a little bit of water in your tray. 
but the same things that apply to indoor cloning is outdoor cloning. And after, you know, you know, certain amount of time, certain genetics go faster than others. That's what makes them very desired. Um, some will actually root after five days. Some take 10 days, you know, some actually take like seven, you know, just the way it goes. Some are a little different. Some strike every single time. You know, it's really nice. I got a plant that's so hard to kill. You can strike it in three days, three to five days. No lie. You can get roots every single time you take a cutting. It's a very, very vigorous plant. Um, that plant is so hard to kill. You know, but anyways, you know, sometimes you want to take those genetics from inside. It's okay. You can do that. But what you're going to have to do is remember once they're rooted, you're going to have to put them in their medium, whatever it is. And you're going to have to put them through quarantine before you can bring them inside. And the next step would to be is to get a tent. And uh, before you go inside too, you're also going to have to go get IPM mix spray. I highly recommend Flying Skull Nucum or, you know, uh, it's fine if you use IPM Athena, you know, Trifecta. That's fine too. You know, I just, you know, highly recommend using Flying, Flying Skull. I'm not sponsored by them. It just works good. It's citric acid amongst other things. Potassium sorbate it just works good. Um, I've always seen it great. That's what I always use. I don't use any oils. Matter of fact, if you use oils that could actually show up if you're extracting, it'll ruin an extracting run. Second off, if you use oils, um, you can really detect it and smell it. So that's a big reason. I haven't used oils in two years. Uh, it's been a wonderful thing since then. All the extract has just been, been phenomenal. I've never extracted with neem oil use. I've only always used Flying Skull Nucum. It works great. But I've heard horror stories about other people using neem oils through their flowering and then having it extracted and seeing the results. It's a pity. All of it was a waste, to be honest with you. And they probably wanted to blame the laboratory instead of themselves. It's just something that I highly recommend not doing, guys. So if you have to, you can. It's in veg. It's your cologne. Not a big deal if you got to use those oils. Make sure you're spraying it down, and then you're going to bring it to another quarantine before you bring it inside. Some people have a tank. Some people have an area inside or somewhere that they know is a clean area that it should be able to be monitored um, and easily get some growth. You're going to want to have a light there. Of course, the environment has to be somewhat dialed in. It can't just be a shit environment because then you'll get shit results. It's the truth. We really, you know, we get what we put in with these cultivars. It's the truth all the way through and through. Um, you know, at this time, you're able to really, you know, that quarantine, that quarantine stage, you're really able to graduate after about a week or so of noticing there's nothing. You're microscoping. You're really taking your jeweler's loop. You're looking around. You're making sure that it didn't bring no PM in or anything of the sort, um, any type of bugs at all. You're going to wipe down that entire tent big time afterwards. Um, this isn't something that you can just, you know, it's okay, leave it, you know, and we'll clean it every few times, clean it through every stage you're doing, you know, you're only going to probably do this one time a year if you're really, you know, um, bringing in something from outdoor, but you want to utilize your tent anyways, if you're bringing in clones, period, because anyone who brings in clones, you have to quarantine them. Like I just received clones from a team member and he even told me, look, dude, these came from the trap. Like these things could possibly have stuff on them. I had to hardcore quarantine. And I'm still doing work with them. I mean, there it's a it's a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of funds being put in into investment. You know, clones are a big investment for us guys. I understand. You know, you could replicate over and over. And I know there's going to be some things outside that you're going to see that are first out there that you're not going to want to let go. So it's okay if you if you want to. You're not going to get ridicule for it. Um, you know, don't talk about it unless you know how to talk about your protocol for it, you know, and that's one thing that I will mention. Don't just say, Hey, I, I took a clone and brought it inside. Hell yeah, I got that sucker clone. Make sure that you told them 
I went through, I protocol to get that clone. I took me a lot of investments and steps to keep that thing alive and kicking and making sure that uh, the maintenance was done on it, you know, because just like with your plants outdoors, you guys are going to want to make sure that you're going through your plants every single day. At this point, you're probably going outside twice a day to water because the plants are getting so big, they can't just withstand one big feeding of water unless you're giving them like what, a five gallon each at one time. And I know how that works. They still want a little bit more. What I do is I feed two gallons at two separate times. I feed two gallons in the morning for the sun comes up, two gallons at the end of the day. And it's uh, water or the feed. I make my water. Um, it either comes from the earth, from the uh, bean brook out uh, in my yard. Literally have a wonderful freshwater mountain spring water coming through my yard. Or I will actually collect the water and put it into bins and let it sit there as I need it and pick it up and water as I need it. I will mix my food in that same water. My microbes, if I have to, in that same type of water in my bins. Um, it's a really neat process using, you know, the real rainwater and fresh main water. It's it's a wonderful thing. It's it's being part of the earth. Our soil this year, we didn't go out and buy. We actually dug it up out of our earth. We mixed vermiculite uh, into it, of course, to make it to where, you know, porosity was okay. Um, but the composting that we used was ocean compost, you know, from the uh, all the different stuff out here on the coast to Maine. And then we also do a superfood. Uh, we go and get Norwegian kelp. And what we do is we ferment that and uh, we collect it and then we wash it off with fresh water. And then we will put it into bins with fresh water and we will slowly cold ferment that uh, Norwegian seaweed uh, kelp. And we will actually extract the goodness out of it put it into gallons and we actually will add that in there too. Whenever we do our microbes, we'll actually, we'll, we'll put some of that kelp in there too as well. So everything really is just symbiotically, you know, a lot of it's from Maine, a lot of the, you know, the genetics and stuff like that, you know, they're from different parts of the world, but you know, some of them are actually from the same type of environments, just not the same place in the world. Like, you know, some of the stuff like apple fritter first say, you know, that stuff was um, in Northern California and it was, you know, developed in, in the mountains of valleys, you know, in, in that type of climate and no, go figure, it really thrives hardcore up here in this environment. So sometimes you can um, look up other people that are growing and find genetics from certain parts of the world. Uh, if it does good there, it'll do good. You know, if it matches your environment more than likely too. So um, little things like that will give you hints on what to choose, but it's still okay to have new stuff out there. Don't let anybody kick your ass for trying new stuff out there. Um, even those growers that told me a long time ago, hey, man, it's a waste of your time. Um, I understood what they said, because sometimes you'll have plants out there where a majority of it just won't make it because of how wet it is. Uh, the bud and the flower just couldn't take it. The genetics were too finicky. It was too frosty. Like it just was unable. It wasn't built for the outdoors. And that happens sometimes. So don't take it as a failure or uh, something that's bad. Um, just know that we do want to have a majority of stuff that we know is going to kick ass outdoors. Um, just make sure you're training around this time and really building those structures. Um, just make sure you're feeding really, really well. You're not missing a day. You're not letting them, you know, droop hardcore. Um, some people will treat them. They won't water them, you know, at a certain schedule. They'll wait until they kind of uh, wilt a little bit and then they kind of beg for it and then they treat them. I mean, that's another way to go at it. I just recommend treating them the way you want to be treated. Hey guys, it's Ned with Beanstalk Agriculture to tell you about our brand new granular style fertilizer formulated specifically for cannabis and features a 90 day release rate 
so that you can apply once and just add water. It really is that simple. We're running a promo right now for the listeners of this podcast. So you're gonna type in TFAR420 for 30% off at checkout. I'm recommending the 311 Beanstalk AF bundle to you guys. It's originally $99, it's gonna be $70 to you guys, and it's gonna let you get up to 33 gallon pots and 18 five gallon pots. So if you wanna simplify your grow, stop mixing nutrients daily switch to beanstalk and start using water it's completely up to you but anyways guys you know there's a a lot of different stuff i can continue to cover about this in this phase but we only have so much of time to really talk about it but you know outdoors it's it's a pleasure to really grow out there and see the expressions and the way things grow they will completely be two different things uh you will see something inside grow one way be out uh, completely different outside um and the expressions that you get are just incredible i love studying i love seeing the different uh, maneuvers that we could do with the subspecies i really highly recommend growing outdoors if you've never grown outdoors it's something you have to experience um even if it's just a couple plants but if you get the chance to grow like at least a six to eight pack like at once a good eight different plants or you know even say uh two of the same two of the same two of the same two of the same or four of the same four of the same one or the other just getting a good bundle of plants together and really trying to maintain uh what, what's called like a crop you know putting your you know your crop together because for some people it's their yearly income like this is their only way to grow it's like some people don't have those indoor abilities they always grow outdoor um for us outdoor is an extension to our extract we love to extract outdoor we absolutely cut out every bit of nasty if there's any type of mold or anything developing we're already cutting it out before it even finishes flower um if it gets to that point you know we'll cut down whole plants we're not afraid to sacrifice so which brings me into one kind of point that i will make it's okay if you have a lot of extra plants out there um reason to be is most laws say that plants they can't have a certain amount flowering at one time but during veg you could really get to the point to where they're not fully flowering and you know some of them are just not going to make it because mother nature is just too strong for them they're going to mold off or something bad is going to happen or it's split because of the wind and the the weight of the rain and it just can't take it or say hermes off if you have a bunch of extra plants that were vegging hey you got rid of some and now you still have a count so it sucks when you only did a couple and then you know one you know goes down and then you only got one left you know so that's why sometimes having extra plants is okay during that phase don't be too scared and worried about it it's just once you get into full-fledged flower and you're gonna have successful that's when really you know that's there's an issue of having a little bit of that access and stuff when it comes down to it the up here up north um i've actually heard them say this in conferences before and uh in town and a lot of these enforcement you know um people up here they really and truly aren't going to mess with you unless someone calls in and says there's some type of racketeering going on and a big time you know uh you know uh, you know something big project going on to where stuff's going across state lines and stuff like that or you know you got a bunch of people in your neighborhood all ganging up on you and or, or the smell is just incredibly bad to where you can smell in everybody's yard which it it can happen like that sometimes you can get some bad neighbors but honestly they're not going to mess with you too much if they can't see it as long as it's you know behind a tree line fenced up where they can't see it a lot of time they're not going to come looking for it 
it's just you got to look out for rippers sometimes i do understand that part but in this phase right now we're growing we're not having to worry about these flower things i'll talk about that in later episodes but for now make sure you're doing your plant training if you're not doing your plant training it's just going to end up getting out of control on you if you're not defoliating it's going to get out of control on you you're really going to want to create stability and structure on your plants at this time or it's going to get out of control and ruin on you every day you're going to have to be out there if it rains heavy what works really good once your plants big and developed even is uh is a leaf blower for the ground you can have it on a low setting and you could actually blow the plants off without a problem even outdoors you know you're able to go over the plants um if you have a nice jump pack uh patch tools i believe makes a nice jump pack you could spray your plants down with your you know ipm and your maintenance doing those type of things is really going to help utilize your um time you know trimming up the bottom of the plant right now all those things that we covered those things are going to help there's more talk and there's more things i can mention and we're going to have more people in on the show and more people talking about these things and people dropping their tips and their tricks and things that they do if you guys go to the autoflower review podcast you guys will meet a lot of great people in the podcast a lot of great growers a lot of people who are doing different techniques whether indoor or outdoor but outdoor right now is cranking. So you're going to have a lot of people showing you all kinds of their techniques and what they're doing. And, you know, you're going to find different ways to really make it work for you. Because even though I'm on this show and I'm giving you these tricks, you don't necessarily have to do exactly what I say. I'm not the grandmaster at all this stuff. I'm just a community member just like you, like me, like you. We're all in this together. This is a big cannabis community, and not one of us is better than anybody else. I'm just on the podcast sharing knowledge because I want the next person to hopefully be inspired or to be able to use these techniques to really kind of utilize um, their growth, whether it's their first grow, their second grow, or they're a veteran. If they uh, didn't know certain things existed, or I could bring them up, or you know, if there's certain, if I could affect one person each time, that's all that really matters. You know, it's a community effort to try to get us all to grow better here so if you go and you visit that discord um and you also visit their social media sites the autoflower review is all over the place their shows are all across all platforms thursday with door on thursdays you got all other weekdays with other guys you got wonderful events coming up the giveaways they have going on it's been incredible their 420 giveaway had more packs and more stuff given away and more value and all that stuff than almost like anybody that I knew about. Uh, they were topping big time people that were actually established in this company that, you know, have way more uh, reach marketing and, and uh, you know, value to their to their genetics. And, and, and Autoflower Review was showing up and really showing out that they could hang with the best of them. So guys, these giveaways, are really fully packed they did a 710 giveaway um you know they they have so much stuff going on that if you're not attending and 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 really being a part of it you're going to miss out so much so make sure that if you're not getting your fulfillment here to go to the next show and really check out their discord and really just ask questions if you feel free to dm me feel free to talk to me if you got a grow going on or some issues don't be scared to ask me a question I'm probably one of the most happiest um, positive outlooks on this uh, on what the, what this cannabis industry is going to do for me in this world um, that you could find out here. You know, to be honest with you, I am a very humble person, and I understand w- what this cannabis is, and the plant goes first. Um, this isn't about reputation. This isn't about doing what's popular. It's about doing what's right. I am the type of guy that is stern but fair. I will absolutely just say it like it is. 
but I don't have beef with anybody. I mean, anytime you ever hear anything, it's just people talking. It won't be me talking. You don't got no bad negative remarks, only true remarks. So we'll keep it that way always here. And just make sure that you guys are following, doing the giveaways too, because we are always giving stuff away here. We want to make sure that you're growing. So if you're a new grower and you've never grown before, hey, that's okay. We want you here too. We want everybody we can listening in. So make sure that you're sharing this podcast. Make sure you're sharing the Autoflower review, telling people about Real Thor, Thursdays with Thor. I appreciate you guys. You have a wonderful day, wonderful night. Uh, just, you know, weekend, whenever you're hearing this, I'm hoping it's coming to you at the right time. All right, guys, next episode, we're going to be talking about the next stage. Next episode, we're also going to be having, you know, hosting people. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, growing all topics as well. You know how that goes, but we're going to have uh, different people promoting themselves too as well in their companies. Um, definitely happy to host a few of these guys coming on. They are well-respected community members. Cannot wait to uh, have some of them coming up and uh, hopefully we can get them scheduled soon too so we can uh, get the editing in and bring it to you quicker. All right, guys, have a wonderful time. Peace.